that loud out there? No, okay. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be in uh, Hebrews this morning, Hebrews 11. If you don't have your Bible, hopefully it's going to be up there. Um, I may even do the Lucas thing and just read off the screen, but I do have my Bible, okay, so we don't offend anybody. Thank you, Lord. I just got, I just have this, this, uh, I don't know what it is, but if you're in here this morning and you're weak, you feel weak, either physically or spiritually, um, I want to, I want you to let you know that, that God is moving. He is here. He is with you. And in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. So this morning, if you just, if that's running through you, I just, I don't know, it just, is in front of what I need to do, and so I wanted to get it out of the way. So if that's you, God just spoke his word into your life. Thank you, Lord. This morning, Hebrews 11, up there. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of these things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith. He dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he wanted or he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning that you are with us, that you are with all of the churches this morning, Lord, and that It is in your presence that we find all that we need. We live, move, and have our being in you. So this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for an ear to hear and a heart to receive. I thank you, Lord, that everything that is said would be said in in such a way that will glorify you and, and, and bless your people. So God, we surrender the rest of this service as we did in the beginning to you. Bless us now. In Christ's name, amen. Going to get a little personal here. <laughs> uh, no hands raising or anything. I just want this to be, you want, I, want this, I want you to ask this question of yourself. Have you ever looked in the mirror and not like what you've seen? Most of us would say, no, man, we're good on the outside. But on the inside, everybody in this room, all of humanity, when they look in the mirror, may not like what they see. Like our pastor tells us almost weekly, we're messed up. We're broken. And when we look into that mirror, 
That is what we see. My hope this morning is that I would come this morning to encourage you and to challenge you. And in so doing, I searched the scriptures and found some texts that do just that. And I want to read them to you. Before we get there, I need to say this. Irregardless of what you see in the mirror, God sees you in your divine potential. God sees you in your divine potential. How do we know this? Because he is a finisher of what he starts. He is the author and finisher of your faith. He will complete what he started in you. And he gives us his scriptures. I found over 90 of these. And I know you're thinking, oh, God. No. I'm not going to give them all to you. But I want to give you a couple just so it's in you to encourage you and challenge you. Did you know that you are free from condemnation? You are free from guilt. Romans 8. You are anointed and empowered by God. All right, now listen. You may be tempted to think I'm talking to the person next to you, but I'm talking to you. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, 1 Peter. You are a holy partaker of the heavenly calling, Hebrews 3. You are chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, Colossians 3. You have been made complete in Christ, Colossians 2. You are firmly rooted in Christ and now being built up in him, Colossians 2. You have been given a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, 2 Timothy. You have been healed, John 10. You have been appointed by Christ to bear fruit, to be productive, Ephesians 2. You have may approach God with boldness and freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3. You have been given the mind of Christ. I dig that one. That is so cool. They're all cool, but that is my cool one. You have been given the mind of Christ. Sometimes it don't seem like it for me. That's 1 Corinthians 2. You have been justified and completely completely forgiven of your sins. More than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me, Romans 8. I am a joint heir with Christ, sharing in his inheritance, Romans 8. I have been given exceedingly great and precious promises by God, which I am a partaker of God's divine nature. Wow, 2 Peter. You, or God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2. And probably the most phenomenal scripture out of all of these. Christ himself lives in you. Okay? I'll give you all 90 if you want. You want to do them? Nah, okay. So why is it when we look in the mirror, we don't see that? Because that's the truth. God is perfect. His word has no error. It is fact. 
that that is who you are if Christ is your Redeemer and Savior. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can depend on, Paul, on his word. This is the most important thing for us in this moment. Thank you, Lord. There may be people in here this morning who can remember flooding your car. And this may be, you can still do it now in your new car, but I don't mean running into a river or the waterway or the ocean. I mean, there's a certain way you used to have to start your car. Maybe it was a two pump and a turn or, you know, to the floor and turn it or whatever. Whatever it may be, everybody had their own way of getting their vehicle started. Today, you just turn the key. You don't have to do anything for most of us. Kyle, I'm sure he has to pump the gas a few times in his truck. (laughs) There he is. Actually, both Kyles. And that's what happens to us. We pump our faith. We, we pump the way, how do I want to say this? Sometimes we flood our faith with the past and the present. Sometimes we are so consumed with the past and the present, it's like pumping that gas. And once the fuel gets so much in to the car, I'm not a mechanic and all that, and obviously you can probably tell this by the way I'm going to describe this, but um, the fuel goes in the, in the motor, cylinder, whatever, <laughs> carburetor. There any, there, we don't even have carburetors anymore, most of cars. But too much fuel, can't fire, won't start. Car's perfectly fine. It's able to, go, to move. It's able to perform the way it was designed. It has everything it needs except we're pumping our faith with the past and the present. If you hear nothing else I say today, please remember, God is a God of the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I'm telling you that for this season, God is a God of the future. We are being transformed from glory to glory or from encounter to encounter with God and by his word. Sometimes we end up being people who get trapped in the past and the present, spiritually and physically. But today I want to, I'm talking to the church. So this is a spiritual issue that it seems like and appears in the Western Christianity us that we're flooded we're not seeing the things god tells us we should see there is no difference matter of fact our pastor all many times his heart is to see miracles to see you know the church moving forward to to understand and and be a part of something bigger than yourself and it seems, seems like we've we've flooded our faith with the past and the present. 
And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is a God of the future. And we need to be putting our faith in God in the future. Our faith needs to meet God in the future. We need to, be, we need to have faith enough to believe God for the future. Many times we, uh, we try to live in the past. And, and, I, and I'll say it this way. And I see it all the time over the years in ministry, that people, and, and, and I'm speaking to me first, make that clear. This was for me first. That we may remember in the past when, when we got saved that, that everything was, was phenomenal. When we had that encounter with Christ and he changed our lives, it, it evoked emotion and, 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 and all these feelings about how, how we are new creation. We are, we are different. And we think back to that, and we remember the emotions and the feelings and the transformation, and we want that now. We want that to be now. Sounds like my batteries are dead. But the truth is, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. You see, God is, God is a God who works in a way that is when he transforms and, and we have that encounter with God, it is, it is supernatural, Everything God does in our life is a supernatural work. We can't reproduce that. We try many times to go back and try to make that now. Or we are so wrapped up in the daily grind and trying to get through today that we flood our faith and we go nowhere. Matter of fact, God will allow your faith to be weakened in the present so that he will move you to the future. God is a God of the future. He wants us to have faith and meet him there. My people perish because they don't have a vision. They don't have, God says, that, that because we don't believe for big things in the future, we're stuck here. God is a God of the future, and he wants us to meet him there. Things in the past, let, let me say this this way, and I'm sure I'll offend somebody, and I'm sure I'll get an email or whatever, but God doesn't care about your past. He doesn't. He cares less about your past. He's concerned about where you're going the future, there are great and mighty promises, exceedingly great and precious promises that God has given us that our faith needs to attach to, but it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen there. We need to believe for that. We don't want to choke out our faith with the present problems. God is a God of the future, and our faith must meet him there. We need to put our trust and our confidence in what God said in your life for tomorrow. We know that the Bible says that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Well, I got, here's the a, here's a truth. There is no tomorrow because when you get there, it's today. So we need to live our faith out. Our faith walk needs to be a walk forward, a faith 
forward. Not here, not only here. We need to push forward with God. You see, a person who, you ever meet a person who there's something just different about them? It seems like God is moving in their life, you know, and, and, and it's, it's evident. There's transformation. There's, there's fullness of life. There is, there is joy unspeakable. There is the radiant of Christ's presence. That is a person who speaks, who prays, who walks by faith in the future. It takes no faith to believe the past. Matter of fact, without getting theological, the past doesn't really matter because God doesn't care about it. So why are we allowing our faith to be stalled there? Jesus says you got troubles. I guarantee, he guarantees that you will have hard, difficult times today. He says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got this. He's got it. So, having said that, I just want to give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. You're, you're looking at me like, what is he talking about? Maybe, well, definitely we pray that God's scriptures will, will clear it up. Why don't people, why don't we walk forward in faith? Why don't we do it? I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you why. Because it's scary. It's, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable to be taken from here and put there when I'm used to being here. God doesn't want us comfortable. He doesn't want Coastal Vineyard comfortable. He wants Coastal Vineyard going and moving by faith, walking by faith. We're, we've taken steps of faith forward in the land purchase, in believing for the loan or the, the debt, to be eradicated. That's future. We believe that, and it's going to happen. As sure as God has spoken his word, our faith will meet him there, and that will it'll be accomplished. Whatever it may be in your life, only you know. But there is something big brewing in you for the future. And you have, we need to allow our faith to go there. Can you put verse 7 back up? Two examples. First one's Noah. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of these things, not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, and by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah built an ark, right? We've, anybody who's been in church any amount of time, or even not, knows that Noah built an ark. Can you put that picture up? I just wanted to show you something about the ark in reference so we get it in our head, what Noah did and his, and his children. The height of the ark was 45 feet, as opposed to the Titanic, it's 175 the length is 450 feet, opposed to 
882. The width of the boat or the ship is 75 feet. Titanic was 95. The construction of the Titanic was steel, the arc wood. Get this. The capacity of the Titanic was 3,547 people and provisions for three weeks. The ark held over 50,000 animals, 2 million insects plus eight people and provisions for a year. Get that. The Titanic, oh, the Titanic was built by professionals and sank. The Ark was built by amateurs and lasted. Now, when God, when we put our faith, we see Noah here. You could go, but you could leave it or get rid of it, whatever. When we place our faith in God of the future, we will experience things we've never experienced before. Noah did that with his kids. God is going to give you something special. If you are, if you allow your faith to meet God in the future, God will give you something special to do. Pretty good chance it's not building an ark. But the ark represents Jesus Christ. And those that were saved on that ark his whole family. We are given an assignment to go to where we've never been before or experience something we've never experienced before. Do something special. When we allow the faith of, of, of our spirit to meet God in the future, the light of Christ will shine and people will be saved through your witness just as there was only one door to get on that ark, you may be that door. That's big. He not only will give you something special to do, but he will anoint you or empower you to do something beyond your own capabilities. Noah built an ark. Liberal scholars say it took him 60 years. More conservative scholars say it's about 120 I can't even keep up with my honey-do list. I'm good at starting projects. It's the finishing that's an issue. Noah did something that was beyond him. He never built a boat before. It never rained before. There was no water near him. So for Noah to believe God's word and to build an ark, he is definitely allowing his faith to meet God in the future. 60 to 120 years worth. But it's not just Noah, it's us. We are no different. If we choose to allow our faith to meet God there, God is going to allow us to do special things in the future. In the future. And it could be when you leave. That's the future. But it could be longer. The fact of the matter is that the anointing and the power is there for us if we would allow our faith to move forward. Forget about yesterday. Don't sweat today. Allow your energy and your strength to be put in a place that is going to project you for his kingdom. You will be a vessel for God 
and he will use you to further his kingdom and change lives. If you want more of Jesus, this is what we need to be. We need to be people of faith, walking forward in faith. I know that God wants to do amazing things in your life. And there's probably a part of you that knows that God wants to do an amazing thing in, his, in your life. It's there. Just like the car, you have all the parts, you have all that you need, you have the fuel, the Holy Spirit, to, to project you forward in faith. Let's not waste our faith on today. Let's place our faith in tomorrow, the future. And I guarantee you'd be changed for the glory of God. Noah didn't have a lumber yard. He didn't have Home Depot or Lowe's. He didn't have power tools, heavy equipment. If he did, Eddie would be the perfect guy to run it. I saw, I saw a post this week. And some of you probably seen, if you got Eddie, that he looks biblical. <laughs> He's a, never mind. Back up, eh, eh, back it up. God wants to do amazing things in your life. Allow him by allowing your faith to be pushed forward. Forget about today. Send your energy going forward. Verse 8, guys, throw that up there. Our other example, Abraham, Father Abraham, the father of faith. By faith, and if you read Hebrews 11, you will see Abraham has, is mentioned multiple times. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place in which he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I don't know about you, but to leave where you are being comfortable and to go, Jesus said, go. To leave where you're comfortable because God says, go. And go to a place, the next verse says that he journeyed to a foreign land and lived in tents. That's some faith in the future. God said that he would give Abraham an inheritance in the promised land. He didn't say in the past. He didn't say... In the present, he said, in the future, Abraham had faith in God for the future. Although we don't have it up there, a few more verses down, you'll see that Abraham, by faith, offered up his son, Isaac, to be sacrificed. Abraham, when he got this call, was 75 years old, the Bible tells us. 75 years old. So, I don't want to hear it. Oh, I'm too old to allow my faith to go forward. Abraham walked it, lived it, believed it. You're no different. We're no different. We can allow God to do that in our lives. God wants to do that in our lives. He's given us exceedingly and precious promises for the future. All I'm saying is don't, don't allow your faith to be stuck in the present. Believe for the future. Trust for the future. I know it's hard to grasp because it's the unknown. We're comfortable with the known. 
We flood our faith with the known because we know the known. We know, and, and I'm not discounting the, the past in God's word because it's vital because it all points to Jesus, and Jesus is the only way, amen? Nobody can get to the Father but through Christ Jesus, period. But once we become his, he expects us to move forward. Not stay in our lands, but to leave and go forward spiritually. That is what he's calling us to do. Not just the coastal, but all his church. Abraham, 75 years old. God will send us spiritually to a place that is very uncomfortable. We don't want to go to some place that's uncomfortable. It's not American. American, we're the pursuit of happiness, right? How about the pursuit of Christ in the future? Where is he? What is he doing? I want to go there. I want to be there. Uh, there's people in this church believing for uh, an outbreak of prayer. Spiritual warfare. It's all about the future. I don't want to be here. I want to be there spiritually. I want more of Jesus. I want more of God. I want to honor him and bless him. As soon as I'm away from this pulpit, God could care less. It's what I'm going to do next. What is my faith for next? What is it in your life that is next? We have to ask ourselves, what do I see in the mirror? What's next? Sometimes when God sends your faith forward, you got to, when you get there, when God manifests that truth in your life, there's people there who need to see that. There's, when we see somebody moving in Christ, and Christ is flowing through him and out of him, and he's, and he's radiating the love and the, and the presence of God, that person is believing for the future. We need to be people who are allowing to walk forward in faith. Jesus teaches us to go, to teach all that he has taught us, to make disciples, to baptize. That's not happening right now. That's the future. We need to be going and doing. 11 o'clock. Listen, I have... Two examples. There are hundreds and hundreds. David was anointed king years before he became king. You know, there would be, from the point of David being anointed king to the point of becoming king, there stood a giant in front of him. And what did David do? If you know the story, don't you love it when Peter says, you remember this? And you're like, what? David ran to that uncircumcised Philistine. He ran to it. God wants us running in faith. All the rest of the nation of Israel stood in a line, shaken that this dude, Goliath, was this, this. His, his shield was so big, and his, 
and his, and his sword was so heavy that he needed dudes to carry it in front of him. That's a big obstacle. What did David do? He ran to him. Picked up five stones. Needed one. But he was pulling to the future. He knew that in the future, this dude was going down. He knew it. And because he had faith for the future, he ran straight at it. That thing in your life that, that, that you were believing for, for the future, run at it. Run at it by faith. Go run and take it by faith. What is it? What is it? The Bible says, come together and reason with one another. What is it in my life that I need to run at? Irregardless of what everybody else is saying, God's saying, go get it. Go get it. And I'm not preaching prosperity. Okay? Please hear me. The truth is that God wants you there. He wants me there. He wants me not only there, he wants me running towards it spiritually. That's great and fine. All that information, yeah. But here comes the so what moment. There's a moment in every message that you say, so what? What do you want me to do about it? How am I going to do it? What's it going to take? Two words. Real simple. Two words. Jesus first. Jesus first. We don't have time to go into the parable of the great banquet, but Jesus has, tells a, a, a parable, a story about a great banquet, right? In this banquet, there is a, there is a master of the house, and he's having a bash. He's having... The, the party of all parties. It is the greatest. Anybody in their right mind wants to be there. He sends his servant, some translation says slave, to go out and tell everybody who was invited, We've, we're ready. Let's do it. It was such a bash that it takes time to put it together. So all those people that RSVP'd was notified by the servant or slave and when they were notified, they're like, uh, I got something to do. I can't be there. Matter of fact, there was three guys who represented the entire group of people who were invited. One guy said, and I'm paraphrasing the new Jim version, NJV. Um, the one guy said, listen, I just bought some land. And I got to go look at it. You hear that? The Bible actually says he has to go look at it. He bought a piece of land without looking at it. And his excuse for not coming to the bash of all bashes is he needs to go look at it. Second dude, he bought five ox, oxen. In that day, if you had one or two, you were, you were rocking. You were wealthy. This guy bought five, so he's pretty. I bought five oxen. Uh, I got to go see how they work. What? This is literally their excuses. The third dude, and I must say this excuse is probably the best one of all. He says, I just got married. 
Now, it's not meaning that his wife won't let him come out to the party because he could have brought her to the party. He wants to go home and enjoy himself, if you follow me, right? He's a newlywed, whatever newlyweds do, right? And can't wait till after the bash? Now, all these excuses, now, now hear me. I don't want you to think that I'm taking a story out of context and making it work for my own purpose. Well, let me just go one step further before I explain all of it real quick. Then the slave comes back to the master and says, listen, these guys, ain't come. they're not coming. And the master's like, what? I prepared all this. They RSVP'd. And it's not like today, you know, it takes some effort. He gets bent out of shape, and he says, all right, go out into the city and get the people that are on the streets and in the alleyways and bring them in. Oh, well, they don't have the right clothes. Just get them and bring them in. Master hears from the servant again and says, listen, they all came, but we still got all this room. He's like, okay, go out into the countryside and the hedges and the ways and get the people from there. Bring them in. They all come in. The, the explanation of the parable that Jesus told while sitting in the, in the Pharisee's house giving, having dinner, those three that, that gave an excuse represents the nation of Israel, the Jews. Those that were in the streets and the city outside of the cultural norm or the, that society are the Gentiles or us, probably most of us, right? Take notice. If you read the, the parable in Luke 14 of the great banquet, go check it out. The banquet happened anyway. Because they made excuses, the banquet didn't not go off. It went off. They had a bash, and it was, it was full. Matter of fact, the, the parable says that the master wanted his house full. Well, the three guys, which, which are, are the nation of Israel, I'm not going to tell you it's the church. The church is the crowd that showed up. The master is God the Father. The servant is Jesus Christ. The three excuses, and this is what we can learn from this parable as believers in Christ. The first guy with the land, that represents stuff. Stuff, material stuff. Got to ask ourselves. Christ is calling us to a fulfilling life, a life that is, that is beyond what we can imagine for his glory, his purposes. Is stuff in our way of putting our faith forward? The oxen represents, gets what? Work. Work. Nobody in here lets work get in the way of, of going to the banquet. And if you, and you play it out, work represents in God we trust or in cash we trust, money. Is money in our way of letting our faith be pushed forward? And the third one is obviously, of course, pleasure and entertainment. Is there things in our lives that we choose to 
to allow to take or step in front of our faith going forward. Stuff, cash, pleasure. The only way to go forward is to put Jesus Christ first. The banquet happened anyway. Our excuses, they're not, they're not worth anything. How do you know if we put Jesus first? Very simple question. Have we given him everything? Have I given Christ everything? Is there something in my life that's stopping my faith to walk forward? Job, money, pleasure, what is it? The challenge is we want our faith to go forward. What is it that needs to go so that Jesus is first? And, and if you're here and you're kind of like, eh, I'm really not digging this. Lucas is so much better. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is that whatever it is, it's got to go. And there, God is no respecter of persons. I know you're sitting there thinking, man, it's got to be 1130 already. That's only 10 after. <laughs> the, the truth is we need, it, God doesn't want us comfortable. He wants us looking at ourselves, taking an evaluation. There is no progression. There is no going forward without evaluation and looking inward. You know what it is. I know what it is for me. Everybody's got one. I want Jesus. I fail. I screw, mess up. Sorry. Uh, I fall short. We all do. But it's not about falling short. It's about getting up and going forward in faith. It's about getting up and going forward in faith. Amen. This isn't very entertaining, is it? Church isn't supposed to be entertaining. The excuses won't matter because you'll end up where you are. We make the banquet. But, and it is a parable, mind you, of who's going to be with Christ. That's what it's all about. We're already there. But it's the fullness of our progression to being what he's called you to be, men and women. If you went to the next verse, which you don't have to, but ladies, after Abraham came Sarah. So you're not exempt. She was, by faith, able to have Isaac, a child, at an advanced age, in a way advanced age. So, Jesus first. It's that simple. Jesus first. If he's not first, if he's second, listen, and I'm closing with this. Young rich ruler, right? Jesus is walking down the street. We should have Eddie come up here and walk, right? Jesus is walking down the street, right? The young rich ruler sees him. 
and runs to him with all this enthusiasm, with all this uh, anticipation, ex- expectation. He has the right attitude, right? He falls to his knees. He's got the right position. He says, what do I need to do to, uh, to attain eternal life? He's got the right question. Jesus, we know, says, sorry, maybe you don't know. Jesus says, obey the commandments. Don't be an adulterer. Don't lie. Don't kill. Follow the commandments. The dude that ran and fell and asked said, I've done that since my youth. I'm good. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus looked at him, looked at him and loved him. And says, go and sell all that you got. Give the money to the poor and come roll with me. And the guy was like saddened and left. You see, it's not enough to have the right attitude. It's not enough to be in the right place. And it's not enough to have the right questions. You got to have Christ. And Christ has got to be first. If he is not first, Jim, then make him first. Repent. And stop what you're doing either in your head. Jesus teaches a lot about holiness. And I know I said I was closing, and I will sometime. Because I only get this like once or twice a month or every couple of months. But listen, um, it's got to be Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If he's not first, the young rich ruler gave him Gave God 95%. 95%. But it's that 5% that sent them backwards. What's our 5%? What is it? Pray about it. Pray about the 5%. Allow God to speak to you about the 5%. Ask God to help us. Bless you. About the 5%. Our faith will go to the future. There are people, and here's a plug, there are people who are believing for their small groups. Uh, Almost all of them, but two, have never done this before. In in this church, I don't know what you did before we got here. but, But they're stepping out on faith for the future. They got a growth group starting in October the week of the 4th or the 5th, and they're stepping out on faith. You know what their fear is of the future? That nobody's going to sign up. That nobody's going to sign up. But you know what? They removed the fear and went for it. And that's what God's saying. Out of all the words that were spoken, God is the God of the future. Forget the past, get over the present, and let's move to the future by allowing Jesus to be first. Amen? Kyle, hey, do that faith song, dude. The faith song, that second song I think you did. You know, the faith arise thing. Yeah, that one. Listen, God's got something amazing for you. He wants you to be a vessel of honor, that he, the power of God, 
will flow through. Let's go get it. Listen, this church is about to explode. The building's going to go up by faith. The congregation is going to quadruple in size. We have to be people of faith to be there. I'm already there that, in that aspect. It's done. God is the God of, he owns all of it. It's not about a building. It's not about big crowds. It's about going forward in faith. Today is the day we remove that 5%. That would have been a great title, 5%. What is it? What is it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that you are a mighty God, that you are awesome in this place, that you are a God of the future. And Lord, we pray that you would help me and us, your church, to remove the 5%. Bless us, Lord. In Christ's name. Would you stand and worship before we leave? Be still, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing. His arms a fortress for the weak. Let faith arise. Let faith arise And I lift my hands to believe again And you are my refuge, you are my strength As I pour out my heart, these things I remember You are faithful, God forever Be still 